The Summer League Nuggets finally get a win over the Miami Heat, who still have trouble with those Denver Nuggets, apparently. We'll talk about the reactions to Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson, who had a fantastic Summer League, plus some of the concerns going into next season. All that more on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Appreciate you guys being with us uh, on a Saturday as I'm back with you uh, here. I've been traveling all week. I've been doing, I was in Las Vegas for Summer League. We weren't able to, to work it out uh, with how busy Adam was to do a show. And then I was in New York for meetings for Action Network and was there for several days and then came home and had to be a dad. So I've been very busy, but I'm glad to be back with you and glad that you all are with us, especially you, those everydayers who hang out with us every single day. Appreciate you guys being making us a part of your day and being part of the community. Uh, Want to let you know you can find us on any and all platforms, including Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews would be awesome if you got a minute. Uh, Spotify any podcast app you can find or on YouTube where you can catch a live version of the show. And even on Saturday, we got folks like Josh Winninger, Kelvin Wong, Dr. Van de Strand, Danny Biggs, Marcel Zero, all sorts of folks hanging out with us in the chat segment. Uh, hey, thanks for hanging out with us on a Saturday, especially here on Locked on Nuggets. On today's show, we'll talk about my reactions to the Nuggets Summer League. Haven't been able to give those yet. I'll give you my thoughts on what I saw in Vegas, some of the things I heard from other people about the Nuggets and what they accomplished. I've got a little bit of a segment. Uh, on segment two, I want to talk about the injury, um, the injury concern and about why I have some, some roster construction alarms a little bit going into the season that aren't for sure. It's not this is going to happen. It's about like what could wind up being an issue and a probability kind of look at uh, what the Nuggets injury situation in terms of roster goes, what looks like next season. We're also going to talk about motivation. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how motivated will Denver be going into next season? What do I expect from Jamal, uh, who will be, by the way, joining Team Canada? Nicola, obviously. Aaron, the starters, the bench, the coaching staff, all of this and more. We're going to talk about that on today's show. Programming note, uh, I'm with you today. I'm going to be with you all next week. Adam is on vacation, taking some well, well, well-deserved time off. So he's going to be out for a little while. The good news is that if you're if you're somebody that's like, I, I, I mean, I like that, but I prefer the Adam shows. Um, I'm going to have guests next week. And I'm going to have some really awesome guests next week. I've already got them lined up. They're going to join me. And what we're going to do next week a little bit is we're going to actually, we we've, Adam and I have talked about our experiences of covering the championship, but I want to get those other great people in the media sphere and their thoughts on what it was like covering the Nuggets championship. So uh, we'll give you names as we get closer, but starting on Monday, hopeful to have a bunch of uh, guests for next week. As we get through these dog days of the summer, no schedule yet. Summer leagues over nothing to talk about. Dame's not getting traded for a while. Uh, so we're going to fill the time by letting you guys remember what it was like for your team to win a championship, which I think is pretty good. Let's start today with Nuggets Summer League. So the Nuggets get the win last night versus the Miami Heat. I'm not going to break down that game for you because it's Summer League. Um, I will give you my, my general thoughts on what I saw from the from the guys in Summer League. Um, let's start with Julian Strother, who I think had a better Summer League, I think, than kind of some of the conversation has been like. Uh, I like the size. That translates. One of the things I thought was impressive from his first game, and it really kind of carried through, 
is Strother showed more off the bounce. And it wasn't that he was like finishing through contact and scoring all these points, but the ability to just be like pump fake, drive into contact and absorb a foul with his size and athleticism that matters. Like that's a building block because you can get to the rest of the stuff. But if you just don't have the handle and you're not confident enough in it to be able to get into the teeth of an NBA defense, you're going to be solely a three and D guy. And that's going to make it hard for you to kind of be an impact player. We saw this with Christian Brown a little bit last year, right? Where, and Christian's a better player now than, than Strother is, but like, and, and last year coming in, but Christian in the beginning was very much trying to like just spot up. And then as the season went along, he started to cut more and get more involved in the flow of the offense. And you saw him add these other ways for him to impact. And yeah, there were times in the playoffs and that got a little bit out of control and you saw some of the, the greenness on Christian there. But in general, what you want from Strother is this is a good comment from Danny. He's more well-rounded than I thought he'd be. That's the same thing that I thought, which is the projection was mostly just like, Hey, he's just like a three and D guy. He's just going to be like a shooter. And instead I thought Strother showed like a good combination of athleticism and skills. And a lot of this is, is you get into this interesting question when you're trying, when you're in a spot of being a late first round pick, should you go for somebody who's exceptional in one or two areas? Cause that's what happens a lot is they either take like pure shooters or they take, hyper athletic prospects that you can kind of mold into something that's honestly a little bit of Peyton Watson um and so like Strother I thought was good in that he looks like no no no, he can do a bunch of things he's just like a basketball player that can fit and then like yeah if the shooting skill with repetition and time gets him into a good place maybe that pops or maybe he adds something else or maybe he turns into a top light defender. You still have these potential outcomes with him, but the baseline of an overall combination of skill was higher than I expected it to be. So I thought Julian had a really good uh, summer league. Um, technically speaking, the nuggets do have one more game. I'll note this. I'm recording this on Saturday before the game, unless a, an injury occurs, in which case we'll do a, a reaction episode. It, summer league's mostly over. Like we know what kind of what we've seen now. Um, Hunter Tyson, obviously another massive game on Friday night. So, you know, another great game from Hunter. I'm not going to just to take that and put him into any sort of rotation spot or put expectations on him because I've seen enough guys that have either struggled in G in summer league and then been in the rotation from day one and guys have done well and struggled, but I will say like, you'd rather them excel than struggle. Like you would rather them, uh, they would rather them have good moments than bad. The number of ways that Hunter was able to score and the versatility that he showed and the competitiveness, um, you know, the staff was pretty thrilled with him from what I understand. Like they were, they were really happy uh, with, with how Hunter Tyson's summer league and you would expect that, right? Like it looks exactly like you would kind of think that it would, he's not going to have all these opportunities on the main roster. So he's on the flip side of kind of what we talked about with Julian, where there's all these things that he can do. One of the questions I think with Hunter is like, what's he going to come in and do immediately? That's like, okay, this is how he fits with whatever unit he's playing with, whether it's, you know, third team practice team, um, a little bit of mix with the second, whatever, what's he going to do? That's going to be consistently an identity for him in the NBA. Right. And it's not that I don't buy into anything that he did. Maybe he's like the next Jokic and he's going to wind up like averaging 30 in a game. But I'm just saying that, there is a little bit of I'm not trying to like downplay what he accomplished. Cause I think he was great. I think he legitimately was awesome. And everybody's like, Holy crap, Hunter Tyson. This is amazing. Uh, you know, good old Tyson hunt. And so he had an incredible summer league and that will carry in. I think one of the things that I will say I've seen 
in my time when guys have these types of summer leagues, it does carry into the off season training because now the guys that were around are like, that guy's nice. Like, all right, he can, you know, I will get the ball to him. You know, we will, he's a little bit more integrated coaching staff too. coaching staff will be like, I know what this guy can do. So that I think is really good. Um, Jalen Pickett. I'm with Adam. I thought he had a great summer league. I loved his ball rotation. I love the way that he made extra passes. Uh, I loved how controlled he was. I've heard comps from somebody made this comp of what if Raymond Felton was in better shape. And I thought it was like actually a pretty good one because Raymond was a really good player early on in his career before he got really out of control. Um, weight wise, like Raymond Felton was a really good, was a really good point guard at one point. And he's got a little bit of that in him. Uh, somebody made the comp of, of Monte Morris, which I thought was interesting just from the perspective of knows how to run an offense, like such a low mistake player. And that's kind of what it did feel like. I will say I have a little bit more concerns with Jalen on the defensive end. And one of the reasons is just when you're low to the ground, the way that he is, he's just built to be like low to the ground, uh, booty ball, so to speak. There's, I think, you know, they go to, uh, you know, booty ball and, uh, you know, it's really, really hard to guard. Uh, but I think booty ball also makes it a little bit difficult for them to be able to defend a little bit. Uh, Pickett had trouble getting over screens. So small dribble handoff actions, I think are going to cause him trouble in the NBA a little bit to start. And also just like learning how quick you have to adjust and uh, cover ground to be able to defend threes, because there was just like a number of guys that were able to get shots up over him. And look, it's summer league and I don't know if the shots are good or not, but it's something that I have my eye on as far as, okay, I think the offense with Jalen is really good what's the defense going to look like when he gets into full speed NBA? Um, that's kind of my question there, I think. Um, and so Danny says, uh, pick it, play makes out of the post away five do at six foot foot two, which is so unique. Yeah. He's like a different player. The Nuggets honestly have a very different roster right now. It's one of the things I think is very cool about them. You know, you got Aaron Gordon, who's like hyper athletic connector, Sean Marion, um, less of a shooter, more of a, of, of a physical presence inside. You've got, you know, Jokic is obviously one of one all time. Um, Jamal's even a little bit different in that his combination of floor general and shot maker at right now is at a very high level. That's a, I was thinking about this while I was in on the plane to Vegas, that one of the things that Jamal kind of strikes me as the way that he plays honestly is a little bit of Chauncey Billups. And it's like, if you put Chauncey Billups in the modern era and you made him like a lot more explosive and that's kind of how he is now. It's an interesting kind of concept to think about. Chauncey was, was very steady and very reliable and Jamal's approach in the playoffs was very much that. So I thought that was kind of like an interesting thing that kind of came out. Um, Tim Joseph says, do you think one of these young guys gets moved at some point? One of the young guys? Yes, I do. Probably. Like I, I've, I've said this pretty consistently and we'll talk about this on the other side that, I don't think that this roster is going to look like this by the time that we get to the trade deadline that everyone coming out of summer league always is like, well, we know what this team is going to be. And then it's like, no, you don't like, you don't know what this team is going to be. There's going to be changes. There will be changes that are forced um, from things that from, from various things and injury is going to be one of those. And we'll talk about that on the other side when we return. But first I need to tell you about I bought a, you know, if you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it. So why not get cash back with it with I 
bought it. I'm making these trips almost daily. It feels like in the summer uh, to get stuff to grill because I'm always forgetting something that I need to grab. And with Ibotta, you get cash back on your purchases. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of our day. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us. So I did mention Peyton Watson. I- I'm kind of with Adam that there's a- it was a little bit all-, all over the place. I think I have... I have a little bit of concern about where P Watt's going to be in the rotation right off the bat, just in that there's not an alternative. The question is going to kind of be like, what does it look like if Watson's not having a good game? What does that look like? The problem I, I kind of find with any of this analysis though, is I have these questions and it always runs into, can it be worse than the bench last year or the year before? Right. The bar is so low here. And somebody said that Jeff green is addition by subtraction. And that feels to me excessive, but I can't really argue with it, right? Like the numbers are going to speak for themselves. Most bench players are going to be a negative. You're going to lose your bench minutes most of the time. Most of your guys are going to have it. Like if you look across the NBA, very few bench guys have positive on-off splits. And if they do, it's honestly a real reflection of the starting unit. But even if it's that, it's usually one or two guys. Um Danny says Piwat only Danny's got great takes today. Uh Piwat only needs to be good in spurts and can afford to have bad games for a few months. It's not like he needs to be good immediately. All right, well, let's talk about that. Um so the thing that nobody's really expecting here, I can do this with any team in the NBA where it's like, yeah, if if X player in the starting unit gets start gets injured, what does that look like? They're gonna be in real trouble. But there are teams that are better built to handle it than others. And sometimes I will say that there are surprises. Uh, uh, The Clippers to me last year were as well-built as anybody to handle injury. They had Norman Powell and Robert Covington and Nick Batum and Terrence Mann and all of these guys all the way down the list. And for whatever reason last year, like it just didn't work. Like they just weren't good when the starters were, when the, when Paul George and Kawhi missed time, it was really surprising because that's who they had been. It was a very solid team when those guys were out. I do think that there are, as much as it's like, look, there's going to be one, there's going to be injuries. Nobody ever plans for it, but there's always injuries. Even on a small scale, the least injured teams still had guys that missed time. The Kings maybe were the exception. They were crazy healthy last year. But I will say that the roster construction, I felt better about it last year than this year. When Jamal needed to miss a game, Bruce Brown could step in and they would absolutely kill with those lineups because Bruce and KCP are like that defensive identity next to Aaron was great with obviously Jokic, who everybody's good next to. 
if KCP needed to miss a game, Bruce could step into that. If MPJ was out as he was for a little bit, Jeff can step in and play next to Jokic and those minutes are still positive. Jeff wasn't so bad that the minutes with Jokic were negative, right? Aaron stayed pretty healthy, had the rib issue, and those kind of actually got a little bit dicey. Aaron's a little bit more important, I think, than people realize. Like, Jokic is obviously, like, your chances of winning drop from 70% to 40% without Nikola. Um, Jamal, I think it goes from 60% chance to 45-ish, right? But I think Aaron's probably a little bit more important. Um, The question is, if Aaron's got to miss time, And you're gonna you can either slide MPJ to the three and play Zeke at the four or Vlatko. Right? I feel okay about that. I feel all right about that. I feel not great, but I feel okay about that. Vlatko's minutes with Nicola have been good. Zeke's minutes with Nicola have been good. You're probably okay there. The drop off is pretty significant, and you know that. Like you're just gonna lose you're gonna lose the bench minutes more. You just are. Um, the deeper that you go into this. And I also this is really important with the rookies. Good rookies. Good rookies have negative on-off splits. They don't win their minutes. It's very rare for rookies to win their minutes, no matter how good they are. And if you're wondering what I mean as far as the extreme on that, the plus-minus for Kevin Durant his first two years with Seattle and then OKC were horrific. Like That's Kevin Durant as a rookie. And they just were not good. Like it's just it's it's just very difficult historically for that to happen. Paolo Bancaro last year on the Magic, minus four point two. Okay, on court, um, they were plus one point when he when he was not on the floor. Now a lot of that's like the surrounding talent, and there's all these kind of things that play into that. But I think the issue is just the floor for for rookie minutes gets pretty low. And again, I don't know how to kind of pin that against how bad the bench was last year with first DeAndre and then Jeff, right? Aaron's not playing backup center full time. We'll start there. Like that's, they're not going to do that. They're not, they didn't do that all season. They know that Aaron's going to have to play five in the playoffs, but he will not play five in the regular season much, if at all. Um, And I think they're with injuries there is a bigger drop-off than there was last year. The other thing I would say, and this is a, pr- a good point by David, problem is in the playoffs, I go back to the miniseries where Jeff guarded Cat, and we don't have anyone like that on the bench this year. Yeah, I think the other thing when you lose the veterans, because the veterans have usually proven they can do more than one thing. And the question is going to be like, if you need specific answers, and also like I'll say this, Jeff did really well on LeBron. Like just, Jeff's strong. Jeff Green is a strong individual. He's slow, but he's strong. And the Nuggets really won a lot of these series with raw strength. And not having that, I think that they're going to miss that. And they can maybe adjust around it. Danny says, Zeke can't guard Cat. I would tell you I would be concerned about it, but maybe not. Like, here's the thing. Cat's not going to put him in the post and beat him up. That's not what Cat does. If Cat ever does figure that out, if Cat figures out a way to be like, I'm going to play face up, driving into you, and if I need to, I'm going to post you up. Then Cat's going to get to an entirely other level and be a much better player and be a problem, right? Zeke can probably guard the way that Cat plays. That's probably true. Like, Zeke can probably handle it. I worry a little bit about the rebounding there. 
Um, I worry about his durability. I have a lot of concerns with Zeke, but he can probably handle how Cat plays totally fine. And the switching with everything is probably optimum, honestly, with getting Zeke on Anthony Edwards' pick and roll, right? So, again, what we kind of get to is there are areas, though, where the Lakers have beefed up. Like, the Lakers are specifically trying to get a, a bigger center to go next to AD. They are, it's very clear to them that they can't do AD at center anymore. Like, it's embarrassing, honestly, for them, but it's true. Like, their best lineup in terms of op- offense is AD at the five, but they can't do it because of what he does on defense. You just can't do it. He can't handle the physicality. So they're going to get bigger. Like, everyone's going to try and get bigger, except for Phoenix, who I think is just kind of continuing their, their um, program. Um, I, I do want to say uh, Danny says love Zeke, but I'll take love Jeff, but I'll take Zeke's rebounding. Okay. I hear you. That's like, I caught all the comments from Jeff Green at zero rebounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have concerns about Zeke's rebounding. I'll just tell you, like I have worries about it. He's still slight. He's more muscled, but he still has a slight frame. And it's not that it's like, can he be better than Jeff Green? Okay, sure. But some of the times these things are about what's the rebounding percentage with them on the floor. So we'll see kind of how it works out. But this is all kind of centered around those guys in particular. If you're facing a specific opponent, the Nuggets, if they have an injury, are going to have fewer specific answers to those things. And so, in general, I think that my big takeaway from this offseason and even looking at the rookies is the Nuggets have fewer answers, even if the problems they present are still going to be incredibly strong. When we get I, I, people have asked me, do you worry about whether the Nuggets in the regular season or playoffs? And a lot of the answer has been about the playoffs, and I disagree. I, I'm just like, look, guys, the starting five still played a metric ton of minutes in the playoffs, and that's how they won. Bruce was good, right? And the bench had very good minutes in the first two series, but they won because of their starters, and they're still going to have that, and they're still going to present problems nobody else can solve. They, you still can't solve the Nuggets, but the Nuggets' ability to solve the problems in front of them that's gotten worse because oftentimes young guys don't have that kind of versatility and experience built in to know how to do that a little bit. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. And I want to talk about motivation and what we're kind of expecting from the nuggets this season, as far as how they're going to approach this season. We'll talk about that on the other side when we return on locked on nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Saturday. I'll be back on Monday. I have guests all next week. We're going to relive the championship run by the, your Denver Nuggets. Get some perspectives from everybody out there and what they'll remember from this uh, incredible season that was. So motivation, I think, is an interesting one. Jamal is going to play in, in Team Canada. So Jamal is going to have played into mid-June, have a month and a half off, They'll start here in a few weeks and then he's back in training camp for team Canada and then playing in FIBA all throughout August and into September. He'll have two and a half to three weeks and then it's training camp. Uh, don't know uh, on Nicole yet about team Serbia. We'll see what, how that works out. I, I think if you're obviously, if you're a Serbia fan, he needs to play. If you're a Nuggets fan from Colorado, you're probably like, I would rather he didn't. Um, those kind of things I think are, are interesting. Uh, Leo says good. He won't come in rusty as far as Jamal goes. And that's an interesting question, right? Jamal always has these slow starts. Does playing in team Canada keep him in rhythm? Maybe, but it also means he might run out of steam 
And I think you really got to watch out for the injury because he is still those injuries are things that he's going to have to manage. He was still ice on the knees. Like he was taking knee soreness nights off, you know, into last season. So there's maybe an upside there, but there's also, I think concerns. I have a hard time saying like what the Nuggets motivation is going to be because after you win the championship, it's just pretty rare that you're like, I really want to go out and win more games. There are exceptions, right? The Warriors won the title in 2015, came back and started up at 122 in a row. And, you know, track down 73 and nine. So it's possible that for these teams to come in, win a championship and come back better. There are a number of times when teams will come back in and not be as good. Um, the, and then a lot, some of that is just motivation. It's just like, you know what you're capable of. The 2009 Celtics were kind of this, they were banged up too. They were still a really good squad. KG was out uh, for that series. And that was really uh, for that playoff run that decided a lot as well as Orlando shot really well. Um, but like when you become a veteran team, you evolve to how to pace yourself throughout the regular season. The Nuggets had a very specific schedule that helped them last year. And we talked a lot about this, but just to kind of go back over it, they were on the road almost entirely the first month and a half of the season. Then they were home from December through the end of January, almost entirely. They just had an incredible home stretch. When we get the schedule here in four weeks-ish, a little less than four weeks, we'll be able to kind of take a look and see how does Denver need to game plan the schedule. And if they're home early, they can build a big early record and then coast through the middle and then finish strong. If they are road heavy to start, this team could look a little mid again and depends on how much of a homestand they get and when. This also might be a thing where they're road heavy the first half of the year and then home heavy the back half. We saw that in 2013 and they rattled off a bunch of wins. What is important, I think, is for them to have a sustained stretch where they are home. The motivation thing, I think it will be interesting, not just from a Nuggets perspective, but also from an opponent standpoint. I'm very curious to see how teams approach the back-to-back in Denver now because they are now the measuring stick. They are now the bar. They are now the team that they are trying to get. You're trying to get over. You're trying to beat the Nuggets because they're the champs. Do teams get up for that game in Denver a little bit more rather than being like, it's altitude, I'm done, I'm out of here. Do teams keep up with the, nope, this is altitude, this is a bad rest spot, just want to go home. Um, how I think the, the Nuggets will face a higher level of motivation from your average teams rather than what we've seen in the past, which is like just another game on a Tuesday or whatever. The teams on the East Coast that they go to visit, they will face a lot tougher ones. Um, So motivation, I think, is going to be difficult. I have no idea what to expect from Nikola. He might just be so good now that he can just basically 70% of his his way through to another MVP-level season. That's honestly how good he is. Because it's not like Larry Bird didn't lose motivation in, you know, 88 and was still dominant. Um, Not like any of these guys, not any of these guys, most of these guys didn't lose motivation after winning championships and weren't great. So the bar, the floor is still going to be extremely high here. I do kind of, I am kind of curious about how refreshed, how engaged and how focused they come into camp. I don't think they also need to. I want to be very clear on this, that my question about their motivation 
is not a challenge and it's not a doubt. They don't have to take the regular season super seriously. If they can land a top four seed, I will be totally good with the Nuggets having a very good chance of 30% or better to win the NBA title. They're, they're good enough. They got to be healthy, right? So you have to balance these type of things. But I am very interested to see what their approach is. Danny says this, and it's, it's salient. Those Jokic defensive low light uh, compilations are going to be so bad come March. Accurate, you know? Like there, I think there's just going to be a lot of like, I think Jokic has to pull back a little bit. I'll be very curious to see what approach he takes and how, like, can he just be so good that even 70% coasting is insane for him? Um, Devin says, I don't see Jokic motivated for 73 and nine. Yeah, I know. Like top four seed and they're probably fine. I will say that there is a balance here. Teams have not won the title with less than a top three seed. It's happened, I think, twice since 89. So you need to still finish. You need to win your division and you need to get a home court. You have to win your division if like the Wolves get one or whatever, but you need a top three seed. They do need to, they can slide, but managing that slide is going to be a different challenge for the Nuggets this year um, versus what they've seen before. That's going to do it for Locked on Nuggets for a Saturday. Appreciate you guys being with us. I appreciate everybody hanging out with me in the chat. We'll be back on Monday. I'll have guests all throughout next week recapping the Nuggets championship. Tomorrow, I'm going to take some time and just rewatch highlight clips and games and stuff like that and, and remember some of the things that I thought during those this wild run. Uh, hope you guys will be along for it. My thanks to all of you for joining me. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets.